Accelerators from Beyond. Hello and welcome to Accelerators by Beyond. Join us as we speak with industry leaders and explore the big opportunities ahead in 5G, IoT, AI and cloud and the role of the ecosystem. We discuss how to stay ahead and what technologies, innovation and business models are driving the industry to accelerate. Today, our host Jeremy Cohen, co-founder of IoT Now and Vanilla Plus, is meeting with Paul Craig, head of Manix Telecom IoT, to discuss partner ecosystem in IoT businesses. So tell me, Jeremy, Paul, how have partnership in the IoT industry shaped your business? Mikhail, I think it's fair to say that no one in the Internet of Things could function without these partnerships, but we've really got the right person here to tell us. Um, as you say, we're delighted to have Paul Craig with us to share how he and Manx Telecom are developing a successful IoT offering. Paul, welcome to the Accelerators podcast. Morning, Jeremy. How are you doing? Really well, thank you. And you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Paul, Manx Telecom is a relatively small company in the world of telecoms with a population in the Isle of Man of about 100,000. But you are taking on a really big market in the global IoT, Internet of Things. What's your secret source, Paul? And how have you managed to build this global scale? I think it's, it, there's a number of factors that, that come into play. If you look at the, the, the way the business has developed over the years, there's over 100 years of experience within the business in terms of delivering telecom services, so a really rich history and a really uh, great deal of experience within the business. Within that history, we've we've kind of been in various ownerships, but we've come through uh, companies like BT and Telefonica, so there's, there's also a tradition of uh, engineering excellence and, and that type of thing, so uh, that you've got the capability that goes along with that experience. And I think... There's a couple of factors that are specific to the, the Isle of Man. One is that just the position and the size of the Isle of Man make it a perfect test bed for testing and assessing new new products, new services, because it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's uh, small enough to manage but big enough to prove the concept, as it were. So there's been a number of things over the years that we've been involved in that, that a, a, a first, whether it's international um, the communication links or 3G networks and everything everything in between. And I think the last bit is the fact that we're an island as well, it, it kind of limits our opportunity as a business. So there's only a finite number of people who live there. There's only a finite n- a number of businesses that are located there. So we've always had to kind of innovate and and think outside the box in order to grow and develop our business. And and you put all those things together, the experience, the capability, that innovation piece, and the drive to grow your business. And that's the kind of, uh, you called it the secret sauce, but it's I think it's just kind of hard work and, and, and application, as it were. Yeah, it's uh, 99% sweat and 1% inspiration, is it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've... You've talked in the past, Paul, about Manx providing the plumbing, in other words, the connectivity between the IoT service provider and the end consumer. I really like that description. Could you expand on this and the importance of partner ecosystems in developing those right industry solutions? 
Yeah, the, the, the whole industry depends on getting the data from A to B, right? And there's everybody concentrates massively on the customer-facing end and the intelligent bit in the middle that's that's processing and, and, and managing that data. But actually, it's all dependent on, I call it the plumbing, so the pipes that get the, the, the information from the source to the intelligence. And um, it all falls down if those pipes are leaky, shall we, shall we say. So the, the, it's, it's the bit of the... Um, the, the, the puzzle that most IoT companies, they're, they're all mad about the technology and they kind of tend to ignore the plumbing bit and take it as a given that that's going to be there and it's going to work in the way that they need it to work. So the, the first job for us is to make sure that, that that plumbing's fit for purpose, but it's also about making sure that we are able to move the traffic through that, that plumbing in the most efficient and most effective way and there's there's masses of difference in the market whether you want you know a mass deployment of devices to all come at the same time and transfer information to a single emergency alert that you want to get through at all costs there's there's clearly massive difference between those two things and we have to make sure that the the the, the plumbing caters for all those those types of types of scenarios just as a spin off from that does that kind of differential also f- apply if you're talking about the high value, um, small amounts of data that may be sent versus the constant throughput of low value data. Do they set different uh, requirements for you? There, there is, and we don't. We don't at the moment kind of look at class of service is what we is what we're talking about. Where where one piece of data is far more valuable than another piece of data. We don't tend to apply it. But we 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 can, in certain circumstances, allow our customers to us uh, to apply that sort of logic. But uh, clearly, it's just different kinds of re- of requirements and different um, transit of that data through the infrastructure to speed it up, make sure it's it, it gets to where it's it needs to get to as as quickly as possible. So, what other lessons can you share with our listeners who want to get their IoT business? or their ecosystem strategy, right, Paul? I'd, I'd like to ask Michal as well about this in a minute, but yep. Paul, what are your thoughts on this first? Well, I kind of um, alluded to it in, in what I was saying there, that it's that they need to understand the, the, the mobile and network infrastructure more. Our, our customers and partners tend to... Um, understand their own technology and their own infrastructure but as far as the mobile network is concerned it's a dark art it just it happens somewhere in the in that ecosystem it just delivers but there's so many elements of the mobile network that can kind of be unbundled to allow people to develop the propositions and to do things smarter and quicker and more intelligently that if they don't have an understanding of what's available within that core infrastructure then they're never they're never going to get to we we want to collaborate closely with our customers and it's the, the size of our business and the expertise in our business means that we we can do that. It's it's a lot easier to engage and have those conversations than potentially it is with some of the bigger mobile networks. But the biggest tip I could I could give um, the, the the 
the, the people who work in this industry is understand the core delivery mechanism better and how can you use that to your advantage. Thank you. Michel, do you have any thoughts to add on the best strategies for building an IoT ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, thank you very much, Paul. It's uh, very insightful. And I think what uh, Paul just mentioned about working closely with our customers is uh, one fundamental piece of building this ecosystem to provide IoT solution. It's basically sitting and understanding customers' problem and trying to address them through the network. What is also interesting, and Paul, if you don't mind sharing a little bit more, is about this, I mean, small company getting a global scale. How do you do that? You must build a massive ecosystem around you. Although we've got a kind of relatively small population, they have exactly the same needs and requirements as as you know, bigger bigger countries, if you like, where we've got people who are traveling around the world, they want to make and take um, calls, they want to use data all over the world. So we had to initially have exactly the same infrastructure as, as all the main MNOs in order to support our, our core home business, if you like. All we've done over the years is because of that drive to grow the business we've we've created different use cases for that core capability and supported it by beefing up the network and beefing up the agreements that support it so it's 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 happened organically as our business has grown and developed then our capability so for example, we mentioned that there's less than 100,000 people on the, on the Isle of Man. We've got somewhere in the region of 5 million devices somewhere in the world connected to, to, to our core infrastructure. So clearly you have to kind of beef up your capability as you go. But that hasn't happened overnight. It's happened over the, the, the last five to seven years. Paul, we've looked at the key role of partnerships um, what are the other ingredients of a successful IoT business? I'm thinking of areas that sometimes get downplayed, like having the right commercial model or IoT agreement and yep. the right infrastructure or device management. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a little bit about um, the, the way we provide business in the first place that, that, that's worth touching on. We tend to have a wholesale pay-as-you-go type of model. So we're wholly, we're wholly um, dependent on our customers to be successful for us to, to, to actually generate rev the revenue and growth that we need. So that's the first thing. So when we're, when we're working with customers, we're looking for a number of different aspects. First bit is that driving and passion bit. They have to be uh, kind of passionate, you know, as we said before, the 99% uh, dedication and 1% per, <laughs> 99% perspiration, if you like, and, and 1% inspiration. You've got to, you, you've got to have that uh, in order to work with us. You, you, there's, it's got to be a true collaboration as well. There's, there's a lot of um, cloak and dagger type stuff goes on in the, in this, market and the reason behind that is if you look at some of the uh, customers they have 
multiple suppliers of connectivity. So the MNOs are a bit reticent about opening up because will it get to your competitors? And the MNOs manage lots of different IoT businesses. So there's a reticence coming the other way that says, do I really want to share my pipeline or my aspirations of a business? Because will it get through to my competitors? And because we're wholly reliant on each other, you need to kind of get over that bit. And it's it, it's true, collaboration is is uh, one of the keys to success. We're dependent on each other. If we both do the things that we're good at, then we will both be successful. And then there's undoubtedly a technical competence that you have to have in order to, to, to un- make sense out of all the different elements in terms of delivering the service and make sure you, you've got people or partners who understand that, that that technically. And the last bit is different from traditional telco type activity, there has to be a flexibility and fleetness of foot that, that isn't always the way we as MNOs operate. You have to be able to react to the opportunities, develop services quickly and deploy services quickly in order to kind of take advantage of the market and enable your customers. So it's, you know, that drive, that collaboration, um, technical competence and the, that flexibility and fleetness of foot is the, the, the kind of key components. Paul, some people point to connectivity as only making up about 5% of revenues in the Internet of Things, which is probably true. But how do you view Max's position in the IoT stack and your relationship to that 5%? Is that important? It is. If you think about whichever kind of forecast you use, that, that, that the IoT market is already massive and predicted to, to, to grow. And I saw something recently about within the next couple of years, 75 billion connected devices, you know, something like nine sims for every person on the planet. It's, so it's huge. So narrowing yourself down to 5% of a market of that size is still a, a significant opportunity um, for, for Manx Telecom. But I think the key to it is we can only get that true collaboration with our customers if we're not stepping into their territory, if they don't see us as a competitor, but see us as an, an enabler of, of service, then we're going to get to that point of collaboration. If they think we're going to compete for the same bit, bits of business, they're not going to be open and, 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 and share with us. And so our view is that we become experts at that connectivity piece and don't waste effort and energy in the other areas which we expect our, our partners and our customers to be to, to be competent in. Michael, does that resonate with you, uh, i.e. specialising really in those areas you know best and whether it's 5% of a huge amount or not is almost immaterial if it's that big? Yeah, I think uh, what uh, what is so great about the Manic story is this concept of thinking about the global as the globe as a as a um, their playground. Why limit themselves by geography? They can be everywhere and to be specialized and think about we can do connectivity better than anyone else. It's brilliant. And I think it's very clever. We do see, however, some of our other customers are trying to expand to other domains. And one of the best ways, and Paul also mentioned it, is to think uh, 
of the people you want to partner with and the people you want to go and develop together, you're offering to the customers. So how you start co-create this solution with these guys and how you start sitting with your customers and developing this together. And Paul, maybe, maybe you can share a little bit more about enterprises, what type of enterprises you're trying to serve, and who are these partners that you are working with together to get to these enterprises? Well, it, it, it depends. In the main, our, our customer, we, we, it's, it's a channel to market. We're not um, trying to target the OEMs or, or the, 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 the kind of deployers or managers of the end customers. It tends to be the service providers in the middle who are taking the connectivity and are wrapping value around it. So that the vast majority of our customers are um, IoT specialist businesses that provide connectivity to the the, the the people who are deploying the service at far end. Whether you know whether it's the vending companies or the the, the, the the you know vehicle manufacturers, we work with the kind of people who enable. Uh, them and they they take the complexity of of the connectivity and kind of do a service wrap to make it easier to manage and easier for customers to uh, to control. So that tends to be where where our audience is. And we did in the early days. We kind of we kissed a lot of frogs as they as they say in the trade. <laughs> we were the, the, you know the market was kind of working out where it was. Where was the position for Manx Telecom? So we did deal with a, a, a number of end suppliers of service, but we very quickly come to realize we didn't have the skill sets that they needed in terms of, you know, the, the, the way they manage their devices, the way they, they, they uh, control things. So we, we kind of stepped back. And at the same time, lots of our, lots of our partners who were in that, that service provision space, they were all going out trying to create themselves as a as 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 virtual mobile networks if you like and create the 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 agreements and the capabilities that we were supplying and they quickly found that that's a massive overhead and they don't necessarily have the uh, the right skills so we've we've kind of found a level that we enable them and they go and manage the customers so it's it's definitely in that that that, that IoT service provider space that's our sweet spot talking about those service providers can you tell us a bit more about the IoT services that have been successful for you yeah if we look at the background bearing in mind we started uh, the original core infrastructure was about our uh, customers traveling around the globe and being able to get mobile connectivity and mainly around voice calls. So our initial competence was around providing voice coverage all the way around the, the, the world. But also there was a, a, a kind of multi-network critical connection element of what we did because as well as the, uh, the SIM cards being connected, they were connected to multi-networks in each country. So there was this resilience that said, if I can access two or three networks, then it lends itself to mission-critical type communication. So 
you take that voice bit, you take that mission critical bit, and it wasn't surprising that we kind of found ourselves in that lone working space, in that medical monitoring space, um, and health and well-being, where you're monitoring people and you want to be able to speak to that person if there's a problem. So we definitely, we, we call it talking IoT, but we, there's definitely a sweet spot in for a voice specialist in the IoT business. So that's where we, that's where we, the, the kind of history was but over recent times that same thing about multi-network and mission critical if it's not people's uh, uh, people on the end of it and well-being on the end of it it's machinery on the end of it or mission critical stuff so we we, we obviously started working in things like uh, security home automation industrial iot anywhere where you're wanting to control remotely processes and, and, and automation the IoT sector is always buzzing with uh, talk of the latest technology. But do you see a role yet for some of the technologies that are being touted? Um, things that are sort of slowly rolling out or even actually in application now in other sectors. I'm thinking of things like 5G, edge computing or low power wide area networks. If you look at the, the the kind of what the potential and the future of IoT is, it's almost limitless. So you kind of drive yourself mad trying to predict what the what that would look like, and everybody loves the the the, the kind of you know to talk about the futures because it makes you sound really intelligent and an expert in the field because we can talk about what's that what's happening tomorrow. But there is a massive need to concentrate on. Uh, the here and now, just in terms of... So th things like, for example, we're talking about, you know, 5G, and undoubtedly 5G is is going to be necessary in what we do what we do as a business. Um, if you're going to want to manage and uh, quickly deploy mass services, then 5G is the, uh, the, the key. But if you look at what's happening in the market, people are only just getting to grips with 4G... And there's things like 2G sunsetting, you know, and that's the problem for right now. You have to, yes, you have to look at 5G and say, what's, what, you know, what, what, what's our play going to be in that space? But it's the, it's the today's problems that you, that need resolving first. And it's things like the rollout of 4G and what are we going to do when 2G networks turn off in, a, in, in 18 months, two years time, whatever, whatever it may be. So there's 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 the bit about the, the the connectivity. We are we're trying to find a home for the you know the low power stuff. Actually, you know if you look at narrowband IoT, yes, there's going to be a place for that, but it's it's early doors and networks are still trying to work out what what they do. You know if you look in the UK, one half of the country served by one network, one half of the country's served by another network. There's no interworking between anyone and no roaming agreements between anyone. So it's it's a service that yes is undoubtedly going to have have its day, but it's just not right. Right now, so we, we we tend to concentrate our efforts right now on the problems that, that the real problems that people have got today. But obviously, we have to have an eye to the future. Um, so things like a, a kind of security and management of, of 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 devices, and things like edge computing that's about simplifying the the supply chain of 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 that 
plumbing, you know, the data coming back, do we make it easier if the, if the intelligence is nearer the source type of thing? So all those things come in, but they are just on the on the roadmap as the next phase, if you like, and should be for most organizations because there's no real um, value in it today other than saying that you've got a plan to do that in the future. And if you actually peel back most um, networks, plans in that space they are just yes we've got we've got something coming that's a lot further down the line anything that they're doing now tends to be just to prove the the concept rather than its customer demand there's some great teasers in there for future podcasts paul i'm gonna have to get you back i'm thinking of security and sunsetting 2g and 3g but we're almost out of time um finally how will you be developing Manx's IoT offering in the next phase? Um, as you expand, is it going to be in new services? Is it geographic expansion? I mean, you've already talked about new technologies, or is it going to be all of the above? The, there's a number of things. The, the, what, is, what is key at the moment to the industry is that the, the market's grown up on infrastructure and agreements that kind of don't support the business that's there now in most cases. So we have to make sure that that, that, that the infrastructure, and that this isn't just Manx Telecom, this is the, the, the kind of industry as a whole. So the infrastructure supports the, the, the services that it's delivering now. There has to be a, an increase in the gl- global reach of those IOT and M2M specific agreements that supports it. We don't want, you know, people deploying masses of service and then the rug getting pulled because it's not quite the right agreement. And linked to that, there is the, um, the, the, the commercial footprint that supports it. So, you know, the knee jerk reaction from the market is IOT devices are angry. And they take up a lot of resource, but don't make much money. So the knee-jerk reaction is we just charge a lot more for IoT devices. That's kind of calming down. So we've got to make sure that the commercial footprint um, it supports our customers, but also that everybody's getting value in the in the chain. And the roaming partner is they need to get value out of those IoT connections. Otherwise, there's no point in them doing it. So that's all finding its feet. So there's a lot of work to do on that. We're concentrating on a lot more of the monitoring of devices out in the field. So how are network's performing, what sims are, are out there, if there's a problem, what you know, who which customers, which sims are affected, and can we react quicker? All that proactive monitoring of, of roaming services is high on the agenda for us. There's obviously eSIM that that uh, we're, we're rolling out this year, which is, you know, this this localization of of services for commercial or regulation type purposes, and gives the resilience and flexibility to customers. There's there's a, a, a shed load of work on the flexibility of billing as well. Customers are finding different ways to monetize IoT solutions, and. they're not always supported by the network to do things in in a particular way. So an an example might be in that long worker space, rather than charge for minutes and data and SMSs, why don't we start charge per event? You know what I mean? So every pressure, the panic button costs you you X instead of here's a bundle of five minutes and 10 SMS and, and all that business. So 
flexibility around the billing, but it's it's the main thing is continuing to invest in our core infrastructure. And there's a you know a, a double digit millions of investment into the, the the Manx Telecom infrastructure this year, our core infrastructure, to make sure that everything we the services we provide are all fit for fit for purpose. So. We've got quite a lot of work on Jeremy, so <laughs> Clearly. I bet you're glad you asked that question, <laughs> aren't you? There's a, a lot for our listeners to think over there. Paul, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. It's been a revelation. All right, thank you. And a big thank you to Michal for anchoring the show. That's quite enough from me. Michal, back to you. Thank you, Jeremy. A special thanks to you, Paul. Your insight into Manix Telecom's IoT Play was really great, and we are so glad you could join us on Accelerators. Accelerators is a podcast by Beyond, hosted by Jeremy Cohen, and joined by me, Mikhail Harris. We hope today's topic has inspired you to accelerate further, faster, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. It can be found on iTunes, Spotify, or Apple. This podcast is published bi-weekly and produced by Fox Agency. Accelerators from beyond.